0: Welcome to Surviving Society, a political podcast from a sociological perspective. I'm Saskia. I'm Chantel. And today we're joined by a very special guest, April-Louise Pennant. Hello.
1: And April is going to tell us a little about
0: her research
1: my research is looking at the educational journeys and experiences of black British female graduates. So what I've done so far is I've interviewed um, 25 recent graduates, um, all from a range of different educational paths, backgrounds, ethnicities. And we have reflected upon their experiences and their journeys, as it says in the title, um, from primary school into all the way to university, and what we've um tried to uncover is you know the ways in which they've navigated, the ways in which they've engaged with it, and obviously the role of like their different um, identities, so their ethnicities, their race, their social class, their genders, but also the role of like their families, extended networks. They're just kind of like reflecting upon that, and um, I think I just want to. Just give them a voice. Yeah. Because a lot of the times we don't hear much about black British female in particular. Um, a lot of the discourse is about black British boys, which is needed because, you know, they ha- do have a lot of issues. And when we're talking about black females, it's always, um you know, black feminism or American kind of um narratives. Yeah. But in terms of like black Britishness, um, apart from Heidi Merza, I love her and mm-hmm. her book um, Young, Female and Black. Mm-hmm. We haven't really had anything since then when was that uh, published in like the 1997 yeah okay. so we need not do one <laughs> but she also did another one about educational desire and black females and actually she was the one who inspired me because I remember in A-level sociology when I started doing it obviously the main themes in sociology are like you know race and ethnicity and yeah. you have age and gender course, and class yeah. and Wow, there's a space where you could talk about these things because I was always looking for it and to see how um, interactions are like kind of um, shaped and how society is shaped. And then, you know, they introduced us to black feminism and then Heidi Merzer and then her work. And it was like, wow, like black females could be the subject of research. It's really, just, it's just, really interesting.
2: <laughs> In Heidi Merzer's work, she basically was demystifying um, the experiences of black girls in school in a London school, yeah, wasn't it? So school. she was so she was talking about how actually black girls experience quite a lot of racism from teachers mm-hmm. and instead of being they find their own way to conform to education, yeah. so finding their own roots to, in quotation, success. Mm-hmm. Like just because just because they experience that teacher racism, it doesn't put them off track Definitely. for educational success. They find their own way. Yeah,
1: and I think that's my recent... a kind of like putting it as the new generation of females, right? So she was looking at second-generation black mm-hmm. British Caribbean women and men in terms of Caribbean, a lot of them are third-generation. And I'm also including African British narratives because that is also largely not really heard about. And as we're seeing in education now... Like, even people would say ACS is usually, like, the Nigerian society. So, so ACS <laughs> does that stand for? African Caribbean Society. Okay. Because they're always dominated by a lot of Africans, which interesting in terms of the demographics in universities. Mm-hmm. So um, I think um, British-African narratives need to be included.
2: Just really interesting. When you were talking about your research, you, yes. you kept saying, we... Who Who is waiting
1: you know, to talk to you about... Do that Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, which is really
2: good. Is that you and the interviewees, you and your co-conversationalists, or is that you and your supervisors,
0: or is that you? conversationalists Oh, that's a snazzy word. We, Thank
1: you, do Catherine that. Collins. I, do I got that from Catherine Collins. <laughs> 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 I don't see my research as just for me, right? So it comes from a place, obviously, of my own experiences, but also the fact that there's nothing there. So I guess... It's like, I hear you, like, the girls, I hear yeah. you, our community, I hear you, and, you know, this is what's happening, and these are some of the experiences, or so whatever you can learn from it, or however that's going to empower you.
2: See, I think that makes you radical, and I think that's really good, because How do you I... define th- radical? Radical, as in, like, not conforming to the status okay. quo within the institution, and within sociology, so there is a lot of sociologists mm. that say we cannot use the word we mm. in our research, because who are we talking to? It's like, well, actually, when we're talking about racism, when mm. we're talking about issues of race we do have to say we because Mm. there isn't But who is representing i see what you're saying by using we as radical it's like i'm telling black women i hear you and i hear your experience and your stories are
1: valued and need to be told
0: i wonder if maybe like there's over caution in sociology about the kind of over homogenizing thing yeah but the point Mm. is when you talk about your research i'm not hearing you saying oh we've all experienced the exact same thing we've all gone into education and experienced racism and sexism and classism and all that in exactly the same way Mm. because obviously that's not true but you can still say we as in like there is a group of us who do experience the particularities of racism that's true and, and sexism class- in all these different intersectional <laughs> yeah. ways. Um, but yeah, maybe you could talk a little bit about what you found when you've been talking um, to people.
1: So even though I have so interviewed 25 recent graduates, and as I How said, them? Sorry. so um different ways. So I did a mailing a list, um, I did snowballing. Obviously, I interviewed some people from there, so some of them had graduated and then they would tell their friends. Um I put um advertisements in particular like cultural spaces, which okay you know, would attract people and I guess like word of mouth as well. Um, so, they came from a range of different, um, they graduated from a range of different institutions in, the, in England specifically, mm-hmm. right? So, some of them were post 1992, some of them were elite. Some so, post 92
0: is like uh, a the lot of those universities, yeah. So, they're seen as like some people as less prestigious, yeah. yeah. And then the Russell Group universities are like the more elite ones, yeah, yeah, like yeah, Oxbridge yeah. and stuff. Yeah,
1: cool. so just a range, and they've come through different ways as well. So, even with schooling, some of them have been to boarding schools, some of them have been to grammar schools, some of them have been to In the city comprehensive schools some religious schools and even in terms of like um, post-16 education some went to grammar school do you know what I mean so even though it's only 25 it's actually quite a range Mm -hmm. of um, experiences and that's what I'm saying in terms of like new generation because a lot of these women even though there's still similar issues that are happening but they've got more access to places that their parents and their grandparents didn't have access to so I think that's quite important to see and to show Mm -hmm.
2: yes So can you tell us a little bit more about the class distinctions within your research and how the experiences
1: of the people you've interviewed differ? Okay, so... um Bourdieu and his theory of practice is um, one of the theoretical frameworks that I use also yeah. could you just explain explain so, these so, little so. theories for us for our listeners <laughs> <laughs> so Bourdieu if I'm saying his name like that's how I say it um, he is a French theorist um, some people say he's a philosopher a sociolog- sociologist all sorts anyway um, he has um, his theory of practice is basically a way to understand the social world and the ways in which it is I guess structured and divided and the ways in which in a Quality, social inequalities are reproduced and maintained which is usually based on like social class differences and particular social classes having um resources or particular like yeah resources which give them particular advantages so that could be in capitals which he says are like cultural which is kind of like knowledge and kind of taste and way in which you do things Network. networks yeah, yeah. Habitus, so that's just like your way of being and it shapes like your behaviour and then he has like fields so that's the idea that within um, the social world there's many different fields in which the education system is one of those and within the field different social agents and different social groups are like competing with their different capitals and their different habituses in order to maintain particular advantages and what he believes is the reason why um, particular groups do well in places like um, education is because their habitus and their capital is basically the same as within the education system so that's seen as more valued and that's why they're able to keep doing what they need to do.
2: That's a very good explanation. Mm.
0: Um, that was a beautiful how- summary of Bourdieu's <laughs> <laughs> theory of social structure. However, sometimes...
1: Um, <laughs> But
2: also, is he, like, is he conscious of race? Would you
1: say not necessarily? But then that's the reason why critical race theory is really important. So the idea of whiteness being an additional resource, which you can't see, people don't really want to talk about it, but you could have like for instance a black middle class person who who has the same habit, a similar habitus, similar capitals, but their blackness means it's more devalued in particular um, areas.
0: Right. I think it's quite a commonly known thing that if you're black then you can have exactly the same qualifications as a white person but still not get mm. you know people who say like oh education is the key to everything yeah, and obviously no, it's not, good it's, you. It's not it's because you can <laughs> have your degree from Cambridge or whatever but that's not necessarily what people think about yes. when you walk into the interview room or when they see your name on a piece of paper or whatever it yeah. is. So but
1: it, it may give you like more privilege yeah, yeah, yeah of like course. a working class but person. But
0: yeah, again. as people who've had, like in the context of people who've had exactly the same educational background, mm. Like you may not have that resource of whiteness that's to draw true. on. So, yeah, yeah that's why so. it's important.
2: I met April Louise at BME postgrad conference, which was talking about how to carry on in higher education, academia. It was so great to be in a space with so many postgraduates of colour. But one of the things that we were quite critical of, it was sort of a little bit blind to class and the black British experience and how our access to cultural capital is possibly a little bit more limited mm. than other black postgraduates that are from, or from outside of Britain. So, for example, there were people that had um, grown up in Nigeria mm. and they were speaking and it was so inspiring, but equally I was like, hmm, I don't know if I have had as much capital as you like we may look similar but it doesn't it's like that it's, it's trying to escape that essentialism whilst also appreciating that racism is important to acknowledge and that's what possibly unites a lot of us mm. but a lot there's a lot that's different that differs with regards to capital. Yes.
1: Um and like I said, I think that comes with like ethnicity too, right? So particular cultural backgrounds and how they value education, all the experiences. So if you look at Caribbean communities in the UK who have been here since the windrush, they're like third, fourth generation. And we know that when they first came into the education system there was a lot of issues in terms of like how they were treated and how they were put into sin bins as they used to call them and the fact that there was a black supplementary school movement, because there was a need for that, right? So can you so, tell us a little bit
0: about what the Black Supplementary School movement
1: Um is? So those were schools which were, usually they ran on like Saturdays or in the evenings after school by black community. And they assisted in helping children with like the traditional subjects like science and maths, but also instilling like a sense of cultural pride, which is equally as important to educational success. And they were not getting that at all within the education system. So you can see that, for instance, maybe... There's now a disillusion with higher education or pursuing particular ways by some groups due to that historical, like you know, backgrounds and those interactions with the education system. Whereas you might have some communities, newer migrate migrated communities from countries in Africa who are very much I haven't had that same experience. They're very much like education is it, I'm just gonna, you know, go through they might be privileged as well and their parents might have been particular occupations. Yeah. And therefore that informs, you know, how they approach education and do you know what I mean? So I think there's so many nuances with blackness in general, like you said, and then obviously class comes into it too. But I think ethnicity is, like, a really big
0: thing. Not disagreeing with what you're saying at all, Mm. but obviously there are plenty of people who've come from African countries who are not from privileged backgrounds. It's just that the ones who might succeed in higher education might be from, like, Mm -hmm. might have gone to boarding schools, you know, might be from, like, global elites.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's important to recognise that range Mm. when we're talking about race. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There's so many, like, nuances, like you Mm. said. Yeah. So, but just in terms of being mindful about these particular differences in experiences and migration history and, do you know what I mean, all of those different things play into the experiences that they have, do you know what I mean, and how they navigate. So what have your participants said to you? What's Um, your... I found loads of things, isn't it? So, in general, (laughs) in general, like, so being a black female in the education system, um, overall there was things like being overlooked, um, invisible and unappreciated. So someone's talking about within university, like, yes, you're the exceptional, like, black person and they want you to be on this panel and that panel and all of that, but you're not really... It's just seen as a given. It's not seen as, oh, that's fantastic or amazing. It's just, like that's what you should be doing, if that makes sense. I, I don't know if I'm explaining well, that. Well, if you're black, then you should be exceptional. No, as in, like, because it's her and she's just... It's kind of like a normal. for that's how she should be. In so a she should well, be that
0: token black girl that's going to be... Yeah. Oh, no, she wasn't being critical of it because... She no, like she beat, no, she was being no she just the
1: idea of like everything you're doing is amazing, but i seen as like, yeah so, like what? yeah. so what kind of thing. Where if it was somebody else, it'll be like oh, that's, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the things that would come with it. That's one example. Then there was like different or harsher treatment, so that's throughout so I don't know, little things like if you're um talking within class, you know, than usual, um and you're the one who's been picked on these times both of you or you and another white person so teach racism yeah but then there was like this idea of diluting yourself or having to tone it down so um I'm trying to think of an example well Tiso
0: talks a lot about this shame not here Tiso apologises by the way he was working all right so he talks about how like when he talks to kids and stuff, who he says to them like, "Don't you slang?
1: Yeah, don't."
0: I mean, I say like, he's basically saying, "Not sure. Don't be too working class. Yeah, don't be too like black and in of commas because it makes people all think like, oh, they don't fit here. Yeah, so, so that's a really sad, and that's really sad. But...
1: but then, yeah. But on the flip side, there was this idea of like kind of talking back and like kind of saying no like i'm not going to do that so asserting yourself and resisting that so the yeah. idea of you know now with the natural hair movement and wearing your earrings in university and stuff so just, just also embracing. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah so there's also yeah. like a kind of pushback to that then like this idea of expectations and judgment so these can be positive or negative from themselves from like um, their family like from all different places and you must do well or you're not going to do well those kind of things um pressure which again links to the other one um that's again internal as well stereotypes and labels which overlaps with the other ones um about what you can do and what you can't do um this idea of like working harder and needing to prove yourself so that was felt throughout by a lot of the participants
2: what do you think about that
1: working harder
2: yeah so the the trope and also something that does it, it is actually a lived experience for mm. black students in particular mm. that you have to work 10 times harder than your white peers. what do you think about that
1: um I agree because obviously I've experienced it myself yeah and um yeah I just feel like it is a thing and do it's tiring
2: it is tiring and but one of the things that I really feel like has been missing from that with regards to parents So, like my dad used to say stuff like that to me all the time Mm. is the the reason why Mm. so like actually it's not because we are in any way alien it's because we are treated as alien so Mm. you have to play that system in order to overcome what their opinion is of you Mm. do you know what I mean so like I feel like with the you've got to work 10 times as hard like Mm. or twice as hard as your white peers it needs to be framed as a, p- a consequence of racism. Mm. And I don't feel like that's that, that's been done enough. Mm. Well, um, not because otherwise it becomes
0: personalised?
2: Yeah, because it's like, it makes us, it's positioned as something that, oh, because you're black. Because you're half as good. Because you're half as good, you need to thing, work yeah. twice, twice mm. as hard. But actually, no, it's because, this critical race theory comes in here, it's because of whiteness, it's because mm. of racism. Mm.
1: I agree. And I think some of the um, participants, did talk about their spe- their parents' experiences, um, their grandparents' experiences, and where they're coming from, which is, you know, another reason which is linked to racism, mm-hmm. but just this idea of struggle, right? So working harder is also a struggle, but this is what you got to do. you just got to keep going. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then there was resilience. That was definitely, like, a thing. Like, uh, mental health was a big thing, especially within university. Um... Or, you know, just certain teacher grades that they'll get. So there's experiences of they're getting A's in their tests and stuff like that. And when it came to predicted grades to get into university, they're not giving you the grade that you want. And it's just like... Uh really yeah yes. experiences like that's what happened yeah because it's, it's teacher uh, judgement yeah it's teacher racism, it's like it's teacher racism. racism. <laughs> but as in because yeah. it relies on the teacher no but you're actually holding me back yeah, 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 but yeah. Exactly, and especially you've, you've built like relationship yeah. with them all this time yeah. you have been on your side and then that key moment they show you that let me put you in your place. Do you understand? Yeah. yeah. Having to do that and that can actually affect your life chances. So just that resilience and says, all right, I'm going to show you and I'm going to prove you and then you smash it and you go to your university and you're just like, yeah. Or just little things like there was one participant who was talking about. She went to an open day and... She was explaining that she applied to um, a Russell Group university, and in most universities, like most um, cities, where there's universities, usually one or two. So the, like the more prestigious one, and then the less prestigious one. And they were actually like, so "Are you are you sure you're going to, to the, the Russell Group one? And how are you going to pay?" Like they were really like an questioning sh- and, and just digging at her confidence, and she didn't know where that came from at that time because she thought she was old enough. She didn't come to her mum, so she really just felt. Oh, do I not belong here then? Yeah. And, yeah. and or do I not, can I not go there? Like, what are you trying to say? And because the teacher as all well had been to the university that she was going to go to. Gosh,
0: so just yeah. all of that. And
1: again, I think it's good that I'm kind of doing retrospective because it's like sometimes you're not able to articulate or understand what you're going through until you look back and you're like, actually... That wasn't quite right. You've honestly, you've literally just triggered a memory. You've
2: just triggered a memory (laughs) of mine. I remember in my final year of my undergrad, and there being like careers fair. And at this point, I still wasn't sure whether I wanted to do a master's because I just found out that you had to pay for it, and there wasn't Mm. a student loan for it. I think Mm. there is now, but there wasn't when I was doing it. I was going to the careers fair, and I was like, I've always sort of been interested in law. until I found out how lefty I was and probably wasn't <laughs> going to be suited for it. Um, and I remember going to the different companies and then being so dismissive of me. And, mm-hmm. like, now I look back on it, it's like, oh, wow, that was really bad. Mm-hmm. But, like, at the time, I was like, I oh, know, it's probably it? just not for me. But yeah. they were treating me differently. Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah! Wow. God
1: do you know her- what I mean? Yeah, so that's just what she was going for. But she did really well. She graduated with an eighty-five in her dissertation. Amazing. So she was. Wow. Do you
2: know what I mean? <laughs> Amazing. It's that resilience. It's having that. But it's so shit. Like, oh, Priyambada Gopal She spoke. To, I went to see her the other day in Cambridge, yeah. and she said to me, "As women of color, and particularly as Black women, yeah. we are not allowed to be fragile." Mm. so you just have to be resilient you just yeah. have to have a thick skin but then
1: what does that do to you do you yeah. know what I mean so the mental health thing comes in like just burning out comes in mm-hmm. and it's a lot mm. and I think the final thing like being a black female is this idea of sisterhood and it's unique in a sense where because you have that shared experience obviously I'm not trying to essentialize, but just this idea of like you know the kind of conversations that you have like the kind of like things you want to talk about and like hair like food like just those things that just like put you together like it's just kind of unique and yeah. you just get it and that kind of leads into the resilience because you find your, you actively seek for your your sisters so to speak Yeah. Because, do you know what I mean so um, a lot of the females touched upon that and even myself like when I went to um, when I started my PhD I found a really great network of sisterhood do you know what I mean yeah. and that's really been like crucial
2: so what so one of the things that that's really interesting you mentioned about the sisterhood because my phd is looking at mixed race families that have black members of their families that mm. grow up in areas that are predominantly white mm-hmm. and they're definitely one of the things i'm already finding is there is an absence of that sisterhood because mm. there isn't enough people of color or black people around yeah and then in later life that has really like difficult like I don't want to. I don't want to go as far as to say mental health, but a sense of alienation and a sense of not belonging because you've never really had people around you that share your experience Whether that is to do with hair racism Mm. and it's only happened to me recently and that's Mm. so bad because I'm 25 but Mm. having only lived in monocultural spaces until the last five years I didn't realise how important it is to have your people around you like Mm -hmm. and yeah some people might be
0: like oh that's essentialising but it's like no you need it Mm -hmm. because there was a girl at my school I was thinking about this when you were talking about being in a space with like other black people, or like in a school with other black people, versus being in a school where you're like one of the only black people. Mm. And there were three black girls in my year of like mm. 100, and one of them went to like a girl's grammar school. I think she was from. Uh, south london Mm. because everyone there was black and everyone was like oh my god i can't believe you're leaving on sick form like you're not going to go to a better school than this Mm. what are you thinking like Mm. you're really clever of course you could stay she was like i am so sick of being here Mm. and like she wasn't a particularly good friend of mine so i don't know her very well but i just remember her talking about like i just don't i just don't want to be here anymore like i want to be somewhere where like i'm not the only one Mm. and it's so interesting like it's interesting looking back and being like yeah. yeah because for a lot of the other black girls. Like, like you were saying, one girl was told by the careers advisor, like, of course you can't be a doctor.
1: Yeah. And I
0: remember her mum getting really angry and, like, yelling at the careers advisor. And, no calling it, like, and mm. then everyone, like, everyone was like, oh, my God, did you hear what her mum said to the career? You know, and then that became a thing, and it's like a spectacle that mm. everyone talks about. Like, you're always standing out, no matter what happens to you. Like, mm-hmm. everything that happens to you, everyone notices. Yeah.
1: And that's what I'm saying, even with sisterhood as well, it's not even just about, like... So even within in spaces where there isn't many like people of your own like it's like people actively seek it and find yeah. it. So it's like you'll notice that maybe looking back that a lot of the ethnic minorities Yeah they all hung out together. They knew each other. Yeah. Even if you're in different years right? Yeah. it's kind of part of survival and yeah. part of a way to like, buffer particular things that are happening. It's self-care as well mm-hmm. I think and yeah. It's... And not having to explain like little things. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. You just get it. Not all, all the, the time. Indian girls used to speak Hindi at lunchtime Like, Do you know what
0: I mean? And it was you know like very loudly in the lunchroom, and it's like yeah I guess it's like creating your own space and space where like, people don't want to make room for you. Basically,
1: yeah. Mm. And that's power in that because you're not given that space anywhere else. Or you're not given that, yeah. It's a very, very important topic.
2: That's that I'm really looking forward to reading.
1: Your book. Your, yeah,
2: yeah, your book. I'm <laughs> yes. looking really yes. forward to reading your book. Um, I am going to talk about, it sort of links to April Louise's research, yes. but basically how I want to take a little bit more of a radical approach when I am talking to black students that are thinking about going to... um, or carrying on in postgraduate education or doing a PhD. So I think that basically university is a racist space Mm. and it's institutionally racist it's overtly racist covertly racist it's all of these things Mm. and I think that it's a problem that we are telling black students in particular so just to give you a little bit more context of why I want to talk about this I'm helping a charity called Leading Roots that's run by someone called Paulette Williams, who is incredible. Um, She works at UCL, and she, basically, the charity is focused on getting black students from an African-Caribbean background to, first of all, go to university, Mm -hmm. and second of all, stay in university. Mm -hmm. So the event that we're launching, which is called Black in Academia, Stay in the Course, is encouraging black undergraduate students to do a master's, to do a PhD Mm -hmm. and we were talking about it the other day and we were just saying we are basically telling black students that they need to realign exactly what they think university is about Mm -hmm. We have a problem, right, and particularly with PhDs now where we don't have many PhDs, and those PhDs that we do have Mm. are often precarious. So take me and Tiso, for example, like we both work part-time and are doing our PhD part-time, like it's a hustle, and that is because I think a big reason for that is that the system is... Racist. We are basically, me and Paula were talking about this the other day, and we were just saying, we need to tell black students, and this class is, this is a class I think with students on the margins as well, so Mm -hmm. this brings in people of colour and class as well, but in particular we're focused on black students, that they need to start thinking about whether they want to have a career in research within their second year of their undergraduate, Mm -hmm. each degree. So I want them to think about the idea of doing a PhD and have and being employed in academia in their second year. Because you know why? By the time you finish your degree,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and particularly if you're black and working class, there are people that are ahead of you and you're just not going to know what to do. Mm-hmm. Whether that be because of money, whether that could be because of networks, all these different things that are like put against you. Mm-hmm. So part of our event is basically saying to undergraduate students, right, what are you enjoying at the moment mm-hmm. uh, in your degree? What, could you see a career in that? Mm. you can have a career in that but these are the different things you need to do what masters do you want to do a masters is a stepping stone to a PhD mm. like I see this as basically realigning to black people what or black students how you can be successful in academia does, does that is, am I making sense yeah so, sense. So, so you have to prepare
1: three years earlier but that's guess I'm saying I feel like it starts earlier than that it because, may be even earlier than that because I mean if you, even if you're looking at like you say going to like mm. Cambridge or Oxford like going to an event where they're trying to get kids from earlier mm-hmm. right there's particular subjects that you have to choose which if you don't choose the right ones you're, you're locked out right? yeah exactly there's, exactly. there's, there's certain um, ac- activities that you need to do and yes that's just like the elite u- universities but even in terms of the same way kids have spoken to about oh if you want to be a doctor this is the route to go I think from earlier on mm. it's like you know there's a way that you can this is academia because a lot yeah. of people are not even aware of these particular roles yeah
2: yeah yeah that's really interesting to use the term locked out I yeah. think that is definitely something that happens to black mm-hmm. students and students of colour particularly working class because students I think as well. also
0: one of the things about doing a PhD is certainly I knew that if I wanted to get on mm-hmm. I would have to make links with my teachers and like I know that most of me, like it's almost I was like, oh my god, I'm being such a massive sucker, but I was like, if I make these teachers remember me now, even mm-hmm. though I'm not going straight into a master's, and I, I decided to like take a bit of time out, and then I had to take time out, <laughs>
1: um,
0: like, I knew that if I, like, made an impression on those teachers and made sure I chatted to them, and then when I left, like, mm. gave them a card and said, like, thank you so much for helping me, I knew that when I called them in a couple of t- years' time, it was like, I want to do a PhD, what do I do? Yeah. They'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember you. You did this, that, and the other. This is how you do it. This the, is how you get funded. Yeah. yeah. And, like, yeah. making those links. Like, obviously, if you're in a racist institution and you feel really alienated, it's really hard to then be like, okay, I've now got to go suck up to the very people who I think are, like, shitting on me. Mm. But... If you're going to be strategic about it, this is what it's I'm saying. Kind of what you have to do. This yeah. is what I'm
2: saying. So I I feel like there's so much superficial policy that's happen happening with regard in university spaces at the moment. Like mm. like we're inclusive, like widening <laughs> participation. It's like yeah, to tick your boxes. I'm saying, as you said, Saskia, we have to be strategic now. So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to you, undergraduate students, and I'm gonna say to you by your second year, I want you to know what topic you're interested in. Contact mm. that lecturer. And it's so it's so frustrating because there is the other part of me that's like it's unfair. Why the fuck have these students got to go do this? Why have they got to prepare this early? Mm. But because it's race, because the system mm, yeah. is racist. That's it why don't we don't have, have to, the luxury of having getting the degree and then being like, oh, what yeah. now? What now? <laughs> it's like no, you need to make a plan. And mm. it's so like, you, I, I think it's so important that you're talking about mental health in your PhD, you. April Louise, because. I am basically putting. I'm. My idea is to basically put more pressure on people. Like that's. That's what. That's what it could be seen as on the flip side. But it's like. If you prepare early, then actually it might not be as stressful. Mm. It could be a little bit more straightforward. But I want to give you five tips as to how you can have a career in academia and how actually we might get some more black professors, we might get some more black lecturers, because it, we have to do something radical, because mm. the funding's going, that's not that's not an accident. Yeah. And who's getting the funding? It's white, middle-class
1: people, predominantly. Yeah, that's true. And I think with my experience, it's having a good form tutor in university which mentors yeah which led me to know about ESRC do you know what I mean because otherwise yeah who's going otherwise how would you know, <laughs> yeah, I, didn't know about
2: ES, I didn't know about ESRC and particularly because I was going to do my PhD at LSC they don't, mm. they've don't. they got their own fucking pot of money. I know they, they do have an ESRC I'll oh, do that, yeah. well, but I wasn't so, going to be funded by that I was going to be yeah. funded by
0: their studentship
2: but yeah. like I didn't know no. how do you know
0: mm. people tell you but they're only going to tell you right if, if you <laughs> you're the right people or if you know to ask yeah like mm. why would you know to ask that if you've never met anyone who's done a phd mm. you know like you don't even know what it is how would you know to be like oh and you know which particular funding body can i apply to and like how many references do i need and what grades do i need like yeah. You, yeah. you need to ask those questions if you don't know to ask them yeah. you're not going to get yeah. it like, this and you need to know what masters to do as well. Yeah, exactly. So, so one of the
2: things, there's some people doing research on this at the moment, that black students are some of the highest groups of people that are doing masters at the moment. But it's like the collecting Tiso talks about this he's like I'm collecting degrees but I'm still not being accepted so I why I think it's radical what I'm saying now to PhD is I'm I'm talking about the masters being a stepping stone to your PhD so I'm saying to you in second year I want you to feel like you can do a PhD Mm. you need to be
0: selective and strategic about what masters you want to do Mm. but this is what I was saying Shota earlier is that what you're doing is kind of like the black supplementary school thing of being like, okay, you're going to be in this school, the school's going to be racist, this is Mm -hmm. what's going to happen to you, but this is how you can manage it, and, like, we're here to help you manage it. So, like, although you could say, yeah, I'm putting more pressure on students, but what you're giving students is, like, a chance to negotiate a system that is grossly unfair. Yeah, That's the difference. It's not, like, being like, you have to get it first, (laughs) and you have to be perfect, and you have to do this. It's saying... Look, if you want the opportunities, no one's going to give them to you. So this is how you have to do it. Mm-hmm. I just need to do a shout out to
2: Les Back, because I know he's going to be listening to this <laughs> and being like, no, like, university's about, le- it's got to be more about learning and research. Like, I do agree with, I do agree with you, Les, but I need to just get them to that PhD stage. Yeah, and then, and can, then you can enjoy and then you can, it. <laughs> and
0: then you can be, grow and research. No, no, and you it's, can still do that. I you saying, can. It's just although, preparing like, I was nuts in my degree. I probably shouldn't say that because it's like anti-mental health, whatever, but like, I was, I was really quite ill. I didn't know it. But I decided that because of the education I had, and yeah. like all my teachers told me that sociology was a stupid person's degree. I was like, well, if I'm gonna do sociology, I'm gonna get the best degree in the university. Yeah. And I did, and I wasn't very well during it, yeah. as you can imagine. Like I really pushed myself, Pushed myself like beyond what is really reasonable. Mm. <laughs> like, you know, I went too far. But I read a hell of a lot and like That set me up very well Mm. for doing the master and PhD. I am not recommending (laughs) even trying to get the kind of grades I got because there really isn't any point. Like, you don't win anything except a really serious mental breakdown. Like, (laughs) that's not really okay. But taking like seeing university if you have the time if you have the luxury of time to sit down and do some reading and expand your mind like les you're right like <laughs> it is about learning it is about growing and it is about the like education as an opportunity for yourself yeah but if you want to carry on doing that and you don't want to have to go to like night school or pay through the nose or like you know basically like have to drop out because you can't afford it you do have to play the system yeah you yeah. Do have to Within academic spaces, movements
2: around... I hate these terms, but B-M-E and B-A-M-E, attainment, and people staying on. Like, it's really superficial, but... The problem that I have with those things is that they're like, you can do this. Like, no matter what, like, don't let don't let your colour bring you down. Like all this shit. It's like, no, I'm gonna be frank with you. The system's racist. Mm. This is how we solve it. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? If I can't get these institutions to not be racist, mm. like, you can't do that. So I need to.
0: Yeah, tell and then maybe if there are enough people in those institutions, you can put pressure yeah. on the institution to be. But like, can
1: you? I don't, like, know, yeah, I don't
0: know. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's it's hard because even sometimes when you're in. That position, you're not necessarily there to change it. You're just um, reproducing it in yourself. Do you know what I mean?
0: True, but I don't know. I don't. This yeah. is a slight hope in me that maybe if there were a critical mass of people, if you could yeah. like get a toe in the door, mm. maybe you could just like kick it down. True. Maybe that will never happen, but we can live in hope. There's
2: <laughs> just, it's just, there's just so few. Um, I was talking to. At uh, um, the undisciplining conference last week, sat Verdi about this, and then I spoke to Brian
0: Gopal about it. So, what, sorry, this conference was like basically a big, a big sociology shebang Yeah, mm. it was brilliant,
2: and I was talking to them about PhD funding, in particular, Black PhDs and people of colour, mm-hmm. and they both agreed with me that it's possibly worse than it's ever been. The funding situation right now, yeah, and that it's it's done on purpose. Like pre like, it's done on purpose. The government does not want critical analysis of the status quo. How do you do that? Don't fund social sciences. Don't fund humanities. <laughs> fund science because science is elite and it and keeps it's the elites and
0: it's uncritical. And you can say business loves science. You yeah. know, like we can we can make more money doing this. Where social science is critical and pointless yeah. according to the government's like metrics. You know, like <laughs> you can't measure how much money a sociologist produces because. Yep like frankly we're not producing money that's kind of the point
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I agree but I don't know I feel like it's about giving options so just mm, being able to exist yeah because university is not necessarily the only way and I feel like because we are living in a like generation which is just so uncertain there's been many like amazing things which are happening because of like hunger and because of like just desperate measures where they have to like create their own yeah do you know what I mean There's loads of things that, like happening you mean like businesses. politically yeah. like radical, Poli- politics. radical politics but also like businesses and people creating their own ways right yeah. so it's like even if I have my degrees and you're not giving me something I'm going to use that and do it myself or somebody who's um, like I don't know an artist who they want to be they don't they don't want to give them like any fee but I just want them to do you know what I mean just shit like that which happens and it's like people are actually starting to say no and creating their own platforms and monetizing that themselves, which is... I guess, no, I guess that's a really important point.
2: I think my thing about black people doing PhDs is because the system's so racist and feels so against people that I just want them to have the have the option. So I don't I'm not gonna stand in front of those undergraduates and be like, you need to do this. I'm saying this is an option for you. It is a valid option. Like mm-hmm. you can do this. And I just I feel like true
1: equality it means is having a options, choice yeah. and having the options. And also the power in creating knowledge. Like, yeah. It's very powerful. And like I said, I know what it did to me reading about like things that I could relate to, and how it just transferred my, like, transformed my mind and inspired me. So it's very important mm-hmm. like, just to have that option and to know that you can.
2: Yes, yeah, so universities, I'm coming for you <laughs> with my army of black undergraduates. who are going to work your system and get your money.
0: That's so funny. It makes me think um, the private school that I did my master's research in, mm-hmm. they kept saying stuff like, well, you know, we don't tell we don't tell the girls, you know, like you can be anything you want because no one gets to be whatever they want. Like that's like only like the most privileged people. And it's kind of like, nah, that is kind of what these people get. I don't know, like it's almost like their frame for what choices yeah. is so warped because there's such an elite space.
1: Yeah, but we all are, and that's what I'm saying. Like in terms of particular schools, right? yeah. So even how they were formed right you had the elite schools which is for the leaders in society mm-hmm. you had the comprehensives, which is for the workers mm-hmm. and then the grammars is in Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. even how it's divided, it's yeah, the yeah, same it's thing. so class. It's all about like networks as well, and I think one of the girls I was talking to, a couple of the girls who did go to private school, they were talking about the idea of network. They tell you it's about your qualification stuff, but it's a load of bullshit. It's all about the networks and who you know, and it. it even it was talking about one girl was talking about even when it came to dating and stuff like that. So she should be in um, school, and um, because she is seen to another black boy to have the same. Like, not be able to give him anything. She's just looked over. Like, I'm here to network. I want somebody who can
0: give me me something, get me places.
1: So, literally, she's just... Her and her friends are just overlooked. And even though they come from the same place, like, they they get on, they're really great friends. You're not an option to marry because I'm trying to move up and you are not going to help me to do that. It was deep. Like, these are some of the things that people are telling me. Just, you know, knowing that you're not going to be picked just (laughs) it was very emotional actually in some of these interviews it also made me open up my eyes to my own experiences which we tend to have similar experiences to our like our social circles right but then having these 25 different females who've come from different places and experienced so much yeah not like I haven't experienced a lot but it's just like it just put things in perspective and I was like raw like there's people that i just going through a lot and have been through a lot but they're still like they're still here valuing education so much to the point where they're they're clinging on and some of the reflections were like you know looking back you know like university is not the only way and I wish that I had been told that there's this way and that way but we obviously know the reason why education is clung on to this idea of meritocracy this idea of like you know you've already got loads of things stacked against you so if I've got my first class if I've got my master's if I've got this then it gives me more leverage but sometimes that's not even the case do you know what I mean and people have like we said have been to Cambridge or Oxford and it's not sometimes (laughs) I think it's most of the time April Louise I do think we
2: have to be like actually if you are collecting degrees there is a very strong chance that that is that might
1: not lead to fruition mm, and Baldy talks about that as well yeah. like, the value of these things it's, if you think about it, it's all a game like mm. the, the reason why the upper middle classes and the upper classes do it is just to be like look we're doing it like you guys but really and truly they don't need it I think Prince Charles got like a 2-2 or something we got like C's and <laughs> whatever in um, in, I mean, in his GCSEs but that, like, I mean that's his royalty it. he definitely
0: doesn't need it but, that's but the, like, like the,
1: yeah but I'm saying a lot, of the, a lot of the times as well like okay I'm no no, like, no
0: you're right you're right it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like no, I, I slightly disagree with you there. Mm. In that, I think upper middle class people do need the degrees because they need to show that they got there through their own hard work.
1: And it's used as a tool to say. It's supposed to be like,
0: but I worked really hard at Oxford. mean
1: awesome also as well. <laughs> Particular professions they they require it because you yeah. need to be specialist in your knowledge, right? Well, and so. also
0: like it is really interesting seeing what my little sisters had to do at Cambridge. Mm. It's like, oh wow, they're literally training you to work in the city firm. Like, the way they teach you is, mm-hmm. like, we are going to give you an unmanageable amount of work, and it's going to be relentless, and you're not going to have time to think about anything else, you're not going to have time to read around, you're not going to have time to be creative, because mm-hmm. all we want is volume, we want you to get through it, like, quickly, come on, get through it, mm-hmm. and then you walk into a city job, and you're like, oh, I recognise this, This is the same, like, Yeah. you know, like, that's exactly the same, and mm-hmm. that is what those elite
1: things are doing, mm. so... But that's what I'm saying, but even if, okay, for instance, even if you went to Cambridge and Oxford, and obviously if you got a tutu it's still like quite high and yeah quite yeah, yeah you still but went there that's what i'm saying the fact is you still went there so that yeah. you the still got the, the connections right absolutely and people, you yeah. might have a friend who yeah. would just help you along whereas yeah. and as i say i think it is sometimes it is a farce because even if you didn't have it and you came from a particular family they will hook you up and you'll find
0: mm-hmm. i mean look at no i mean sorry thinking of royals kate middleton i mean she just walked into her family business like, that's you know what, what posh for like that. Yeah,
1: if you've got that kind of privilege in terms yeah. of, like, money... So
0: assets. even if you are going into a profession, say you're... It doesn't work out. Like, well, say you're a black working class person at Cambridge mm. and you do law, and then you want to get into the, the law profession... If you don't have the contacts, it's going to be that much harder for you than mm-hmm. someone who's like, well, I did work experience at my uncle's firm mm-hmm. and, you know, daddy got me in this place. little things and, like that. That's what my family have done. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I did work experience at my uncle's firm. That's what mm-hmm. I did. And, like, my dad could, if I wanted to be a city lawyer, mm-hmm. I don't think that would be very difficult for me.
1: There's so many stories like that where you work your bum bum off, yeah, and oh. you are not where you should be. And it's like, the only thing you can think of is race. Mm-hmm. And maybe sometimes class because oh. it's like... I have everything you've got and more. <laughs> and yeah. and how frustrating is that? Do you know what I mean? And it's like and you know where you've come from as well and you know that you had to struggle and do so much. And as we're saying, because wealth and class is generational, a lot of this the the millennials especially like who are like second and third generation thinking about like black people you've got kind of a lot on your plate. So it's like when your grandparents came, especially I'm um, thinking about my grandparents, you know, they came, my, my grandad used to buy loads of houses and would rent them out. So he was like a property developer. Um, that wasn't really kept within the family in the second generation and so it's like our generation who's trying to get the qualifications, trying to also get um, you know, the house. So you're just trying to do everything in this one generation hoping to give that to your kids and it's just a lot. Whereas other like communities maybe might have, you know, a bit more like capital which, or financial capital which can help you in terms of just little things like paying off your debt or help you to get onto the housing ladder
2: oh but, but April Louise like they've worked really hard to get there <laughs> so like some of them have no but this is really it's really yeah. frustrating that if black people talk about how hard they have to work white people get on
0: the fucking that, defensive that's what that's what I mean that's why those qualifications are <laughs> important to white people because it's justification white people upper middle class white people because then they can be like no but I did work really hard yeah, but and i like about yes same exactly, the same exactly. Yeah. Yeah. but like that's why also like a lot of those really elite schools will put a lot of pressure on students mm. to make because then if I, I mean I'm sure I've talked about this before but it is, it's worth repeating because it makes you feel really insecure mm. like you're meant you're not meant to feel like oh well I've just got it all you're meant to feel like oh my god like at any minute I might fail because then when someone challenges you and says well actually like I've literally had nothing, and I've worked as hard as you, and people are still not taking me seriously. Mm. I'm still not getting the same opportunities as you. You can say, well, I worked really, really hard.
1: But but that's where competition as well comes in, right, like, yeah. in society. So now it's, like, not just what degree you've... It's what degree you've got, yeah. what, like, um, class you got, yeah. what else were you doing, which university did you go to, how long did it take you to go... So this is where all these different things mm. come in. Right? <laughs> Can you see
2: where, like, I sent an article to our... To my um, Saskia and Tiso's WhatsApp group this morning, like, spiked. to have just done an article about, mm. like, grade inflation. Oh, this, do you know what this uh, is? It's, it's because people on the margins are getting grades that the elite you know, had it before. It's like, so whenever annoying. They complain
0: about this, whenever <laughs> they complain about this, and it happens every year, and it's always like, oh my God, boys are doing badly. White mm. boys are doing badly. Or, yeah. you know, like... Oh, it's always oh, got like always the stories. Degrees are becoming a lot easier. They're moving the goalposts.
2: Yeah, it's always <laughs> like okay, well, you
0: think like you you think that that's good enough. Well, now it's not good enough. We're going to devalue that because oh, that was too easy for you. That first, you got it so easily. It's so
2: transparent. It's so transparent. Well, you it's you, not, like, you? oh, no, you're, right. Me. No, you're, right. Right. you're okay, right. this is why this podcast is important. You're Those right. people <laughs> are saying that because. They are the elite and they're scared that working class, people of colour are catching up with them. They're going to take their space. As
1: we know, that's what I'm saying in terms of sometimes it's a farce, right? Because you have the qualifications, but really and truly... There's other things that come with that. Do you know what I say? Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. like let's all let's all make meritocracy. Let's all think Let like, make everybody think that work hard, get your qualifications. But again, even with that, a lot of like people that have gone to uni that are like working class or from like lower socioeconomic status, yeah. You're saddled with debt. So you're not even starting. No, you're on the <laughs> back foot. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So just all those subtle things. And the people that are passing laws, it's not affecting their children. Do you know what I mean? I have heard of people that are taking out the student loans just as because it's such a low interest, but back then it was a low interest kind of loan. So taking it out. We're we'll paying for you, darling, but you can buy a house of that or you can use it as oh, a Oh, no, best no, mask, no. Almost no, that's everyone I went to university like... And it's so annoying.
2: It's like your parents are millionaires, they're retired, so you're now getting a full bursary as well.
1: Don't even get me started on how... What? No, 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 did. But, but what I will say though is that even if you've inherited money, as yes, somebody somewhere in your family works hard and got you to that position. Do you understand? So we have to, like, obviously, they, they're benefiting from it now, but somebody, so I'm hoping, mm. no, 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 okay. I get, I get, I get, I get, I get all the, I, mean, I get, all the structures and the structural yeah. things in place, but I'm saying, like, if you think about it, if you go back, 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 yeah. But if you things.
0: made your money off slavery, okay,
1: that's it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which that's a true. lot of people in the that, UK do. That's, true. that's, yeah.
0: a, that's okay.
2: it's just I think I I agree. You and, me, like cool. you do need to recognise the in quotations working hard thing, but though the majority of people that are gaining from that past are white people. Are we looking
1: at in just the UK?
2: So I'm talking about in university spaces. Okay, and okay. I, I, yeah. I'm talking about in university. and I'm talking about the student loan procedure actually and how many people that I knew that were from very wealthy backgrounds that that got bursaries Mm. as well as their maintenance grant and got all of that as well as the money from mum and dad. Like, they know know the system. Like, I was like, oh, wow. Like, I was on the um, border Mm. of getting a... the first anniversary because of my stepdad's wage. I didn't have any of that money. So I had absolutely nothing and worked like basically full time whilst at university. And I got these fucking
0: like rich um The people I know who suffered most at university financially the people with abusive dads who would who meant who earned enough that they didn't get the maintenance grant yeah, but wouldn't give them any money that's like such a, like that is
1: something that is not taken into account by the system at all, it's like not and, and, and like it's just <laughs> and even so, a you on paper but i when they take the tax away yeah.
0: do you know what I mean just the like, or like yeah. how many kids your parents oh no obviously this government doesn't give a shit yeah, <laughs> they're going to cafe as much as possible but it's crazy yeah Yeah. Working hard, it's bullshit guys. It's It's not it's not a thing. It's bullshit, but I wanna teach you about how to play
2: that bullshit to your advantage. I think that's important. It's how we have to be radical now, else they're gonna destroy us like I honestly like I do think it's as I think we're in that really important moment right now but we have to think how can I make this shit system work for me Mm -hmm. like that this has happened before in the past like I don't want to be too presentist here but like that is happening again we have to think strategically yes How can I make this work for me? Mm. You've been listening to Surviving Society with Saskia, Chantel and April Louise. Um, We'll be back every few weeks. So don't forget to subscribe and please rate us.